Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the End of Time blog podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today I'm talking about not letting anyone disqualify you from the prize. One of the most surprising things to me after my salvation was that there were people claiming to be Christian who would try to draw me away from the truth. I had been relieved to enter the kingdom, and I literally felt like I was stepping into a safety zone, an oasis of calm after having lived in turbulence and chaos for 42 years. It was quite a jolt to my system that though peace reigned between me and God, turbulence between false professors and true believers was abounding. Now, false professors are people who profess Christ, but do not possess the spirit, i.e. false believers. Now, Colossians is a tremendous book. Of this verse in Colossians, let's first focus on the first five words. I'll read Colossians 2.18. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels and taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. Other translations, I read the NASB, but other translations say, let no one disqualify you from the prize. Now, in Colossae, there were some spiritual elites going around, intimidating the new believers there. These elites threatened them with disqualification from the faith, and the newbies were buying it. Now, a true believer can never actually be separated from Christ. But the elites claimed the newbies were under threat of failure in the faith if they did not practice and believe certain things in addition to Christ. Well, that's what the book of Colossians is all about. Paul is reteaching that Christ alone is sufficient. Well, Christ was not all sufficient to these elites, They said that the new believers must practice one or more of the three things mentioned in the verse. Self-abasement, which is humility, worshiping angels, and visions. Well, true humility, i.e. self-abasement, is a true virtue. The elites in Colossians were not practicing that, though. They evidenced a prideful humility that pointed to themselves, which isn't humility of all, of co- at all, of course. I mean, the verse says they delighted in their own humility. In effect, saying, look how humble I am. I'm so godly. I'm so faithful. Well, secondly, worship of angels in Colossae was an issue well into the 4th century, we read in early church history, worship of angels destroys the one thing believers are commanded to do. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only, says Matthew 4.10b. 
part of that goes with the humility, the false humility. Well, I'm too humble to worship Jesus. He's so amazing. I'm going to worship angels instead. It was kind of the thought. And visions. These elites said that they stand on their visions. Oh, my. Visions were a problem in the first century, and they are a problem now in the 21st century. People who who are errant in their beliefs and know there is no biblical support for their beliefs, if the diligent believers go looking, the false professors instead try to buttress their beliefs with experiences and visions. John MacArthur preached in his sermon on this uh, verse called Spiritual Intimidation, Part 1, quote, What is he, meaning Paul, saying? Don't let anyone tell you you're disqualified from attaining a prize of spirituality because you haven't reached a level of self-abasement or you haven't understood worship of angels or you haven't had the right visions. They've said, it's Christ plus my visions, plus my experiences with the angels, plus my deeper experience, my higher experience. And that was John MacArthur from his sermon, Spiritual Intimidation, Part 1. No, just no. Christ alone. Satan's wiles have always been to sway a believer from the path toward Jesus' feet and instead bundle belief with other beliefs, actions, or rules. Spurgeon said in his excellent sermon on the verse titled, A Warning to Believers, quote, There is allusion here to the prize which was offered to the runners in the Olympic Games. And at the outset, it is well for us to remark how very frequently the Apostle Paul conducts us by his metaphors to the race course. Over and over again, he is telling us to run that we may obtain, bidding us to a strive and at other times to agonize, and speaking of wrestling, contending. Ought not this to make us feel what an intense thing the Christian life is? not a thing of sleepiness or haphazard, not a thing to be left now and then to a little superficial consideration. That was Spurgeon reminding us that we are always needing to be on the move, racing, moving, and not being disqualified from spirituality because of believing false things. Those elites have fleshly minds, as the end of the verse indicates. They were puffed up with their visions and boasting of humility and spiritual pride of knowing more. That's mysticism. They had no reason to be so secure. Their minds were flesh, not of Christ. Here is a quote from MacArthur in his commentary on Colossians and Philemon. Quote, There is a tendency in human nature 
to move from objectivity to subjectivity, to shift the focus from Christ to experience. This has always intimidated the weak believers and threatened the church. End quote. False doctrine is not only a corruption in the church, it does damage to you individually. One way false teaching and false teachers harm you is that following them, even temporarily, and certainly for longer periods, disqualifies you from the prize. It is the false teacher's intent to try and disqualify you. What this means is to dilute your faith, make you swerve from the path. Even if they make you doubt, they have succeeded because they've diluted your effectiveness for the kingdom. If they make you wander, they have succeeded because they've diminished your effectiveness for a time. That is why Paul wrote such a strong warning. Now, for the strong believer, what is inferred here in the verse is a stronger believer's responsibility to our brethren who are following a false teacher. How will it be when they are judged, when they are told to give account of themselves, as Romans 14.2 and 1 Corinthians 3.11-15 says, and we hear Jesus say that someone you knew, a friend, has lost some of their prizes because they followed a false teacher. While we knew all along and never said anything, that would be tragic. Jude says, quote, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ that they were saying to you. In the last time, there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, the worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. That worldly-minded, that's from Jude 1, 22-23. The worldly-minded is similar to the end of the phrase in Colossians 2.18, their minds are flesh. Devoid of the Spirit means they do not have the Spirit. They do not possess Him. They are unsaved. But Jude goes on, reminding us of our responsibility. He says, quote, Have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some, have mercy with fear, hating the garment even polluted by the flesh. That's Jude 1, 22 to 23. That means snatch them from wandering, grab them to prevent disqualification, help them understand in love and in discernment. The person they are following will lead them away from the prize. Sort of picture when a toddler starts walking toward um, something dangerous or toward the street, you grab them by the collar and steer them in the right direction, don't you? That's the... um, picture here with Jude toward the new believers who might be starting to sway and disqualifying themselves from a stronger spirituality. So 
Let's end where we started, Colossians 2.18. Don't let anyone defraud you or disqualify you from the prize. The ultimate prize is Jesus, his faith, his comfort, faith in him and him alone. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. 